Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensa, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensa is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Father, you tore the veil when Jesus died, and you tore the veil covering our minds from understanding the scriptures. We pray this morning that once again with unveiled faces we shall behold the glory of the Lord. That there will be a revelation to our hearts of our union with Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Paul found something about Jesus which made him say in Philippians 1.21, that for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Philippians 1.21 For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul arrested Jesus just like Jesus arrested him. And we need to understand that Christianity is Christ. The most important person in Christianity is Jesus Christ. The most important person in the whole world is Jesus Christ. And the most important person in your life should be Jesus Christ. So this week, we have been taking a Bible study on our union with Christ. And I have defined the union to mean our connectedness with Jesus Christ. How we have been joined to Jesus. How we are linked to Jesus. And the Bible uses Christ in you. If anyone is in Christ, as many as have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have put on Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the terms are such that we have to use one umbrella to cover all of them. So we just call it union with Christ. So, on Tuesday morning, 
we worked on eternity past. At least ten things that God did with us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Yesterday morning, we looked at Christ on earth. What Jesus did with us and for us. The easiest definition of grace is all the benefits we have because of Jesus Christ. That is the easiest definition of grace. So we try to look at eight things that the Bible says we did with Christ. Number one, we were crucified with Him. Number two, we died with Christ. Number three, we were buried with Christ. Number four, we were made alive together with Christ. Number five, we were raised together with Christ. Number six, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Number seven, we suffer together with Christ. Number eight, we have been glorified and we shall be glorified with Christ. Then I tried to bring out for you some of the things which Jesus did for us. Number one, Jesus became sin for us. Number two, Jesus became a curse for us. Number three, Jesus took our infirmities and diseases. Number four, for our sake, though Jesus was rich, he became poor. That through his poverty, we might become rich. Number five, Jesus became our peace. Bringing reconciliation and peace between us and God. I did not add yesterday what Jesus did for us in breaking the hand of Satan. But I just want to, I want you to add it to your notes. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, the Bible says Jesus, to be like us, he took flesh and blood so that through he might destroy him that had the power, the key of death, and set free all those who because of fear of death were slaves to Satan all their lives. Yes, let's read it. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and 15. Yes. In as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, 
that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. That through death he might destroy. It's a Greek word, katargeo. He might completely render impotent and silence he who had the key of death. That is the devil. Yes. That is the devil. And release those who, through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Satan was too much for us to handle. But Jesus handled Satan for us. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Colossians 2, 14 and 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. The handwriting of ordinances which was against us, contrary to us. Jesus wiped it out by his cross. And he has taken it out of the way. Yes. Having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers. He disarmed principalities and powers. Jesus disarmed. You know when you disarm somebody, you hold a gun against him and say, hand over your pistol. Bring your AK-47. Come on. Your knife. Drop it. And the Bible says Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them. And it is possible to, to beat somebody, to catch a thief, to disarm an enemy, but it will be secret. But the Bible says he made a public show. He made an open show of it. Triumphing over them in it. Yes. He triumphed over them in it. One day, when we have the time, I will describe a Roman triumph for you. So, that was where we got to yesterday. We have not yet broken through with the applications. And you must be doing some of the applications for yourself. Because, for me, every sin, every besetting sin in my life breaks down when I consider union with Christ. Today, we are going to spend the time looking at at least 12 pictures of our union with Jesus. 12 pictures of our union with Jesus. Now, these are pictures, these are word images which the Bible and particularly the New Testament, is trying to use to help us understand that we have been joined to Christ. We are connected to Jesus. We are linked to Jesus. In case I am not able to finish my sermon, I will list the twelve for you, and then I will take them one by one, 
And wherever we get before it's time, then we know we have gotten there. So look at, let's have the list. Number one, Jesus as the vine and we the branches. John 15, verse 1 to 5. Number two, Jesus as the head and we the body of Christ. Colossians 1.18 Number three, Jesus as husband stroke bridegroom and we as wife stroke bride. Ephesians 5.22-33 and Revelations chapter 19 verse 7. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2 and 3. Number 4. Jesus as firstborn, and we as his brothers and sisters. Romans 8, 29, John 20, 17, and Matthew 28, 10. Number 5. Jesus as shepherd and we as his sheep. John chapter 10, verse 11, verse 14, verse 27. Number 6. Jesus as the heavenly man and we as new creation. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45 to 49. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You can put down Colossians 3, 9 and 10, if you are fast. Number 7. Jesus as chief cornerstone, and we as living Stones. First Peter chapter two, verses four and five, and Ephesians two, twenty to twenty two. Jesus as high priest after the order of Melchizedek, and we holy. Royal priesthood. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5, verse 9, and Psalm 110, verse 4. Now, number 9. Jesus and our union with him in water baptism. Number 10. Jesus and Lord's Supper. Number 11. 
yoked with Jesus. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Deuteronomy 22, verse 10. Number 12. Union with Father and Son. John 17, 20, 20 to 23. Okay. Let's begin to look at these pictures. In John chapter 15, Jesus begins by telling us that I am the true vine. My father, God, is the farmer, the vine dresser. But I want us to read from verse 4 to verse 5. John chapter 15, you are reading verse 4 to 5. Abide in me, and I in you. Abide in me. The Greek word abide is meno, to dwell, to stay, to, to live in a house. As a Jesus says, stay in me as if you are living in your house, and I will stay in you as if you are living in you as a house. Abide in me, and I in you. Yes. As a branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. Many times when I'm preaching on this, I go to break the branch of any tree or shrub around. And I leave it on the ground while I'm preaching. And everybody begins to notice that it starts withering, dying, because it is not attached to the main tree, which is its source of life. Jesus says, I am the true vine. You are branches in me. If you stay in me, and I stay in you, then you can be alive, you can bear fruit. If you detach yourself from me, you will die. You cannot bear fruit. And people will gather you and throw you into fire. Yes. Uh, verse 5. Verse 5 at this point. I am the vine. You are the branches. You abide in me. And I in him. Bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. What Jesus is saying is, there are a lot of Christians in the church they have never won a soul. They have never made a disciple. Why? They are dead, even though they are in the church. You see? If you abide in me, and I abide in you, you bear fruit. You bear fruit. Nobody forces the branch of the mango to bear fruit. 
And with the vine, it is even worse. Of all trees, the vine depends only on the, the fruits on its branches. Because it's a creeper plant. So it's not good for firewood. That one is in Ezekiel chapter 15. But it is not good for anything except to bear fruit. And Jesus is saying, if you abide in me and I in you, if there is connectedness between myself and yourself, then you bear fruit. If you are on your own, you look at your life, you are not bearing fruit. It's because the link, your connectedness to Jesus has a problem. Is anybody listening to me? Yes. I am. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Many people feel that, oh, we can build sorry buildings, we can make aeroplanes, oh, we have made a mobile phone without Jesus. What Jesus is saying, apart from me, you can do nothing that has eternal significance. That's what Jesus is saying. Apart from me, everything you do will perish. All these bridges, they are going to burn. All these buildings, they will crumble. All the things we are doing, they, are, they don't last beyond the grave. If you want to achieve something which is of eternal significance, it is because you are attached to Jesus, and Jesus is attached to you. And verse 16, he says, You did not choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit, that your fruit will abide. Amen. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now, let's go to, I hope that picture is very clear. We, we, Jesus says we are joined to him. We are united to him. Just like a tree and its branch. Now, the second picture is that Jesus is the head and we are the body of Christ. Let's read the Colossians. Colossians 1, 18. Colossians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. And he is the head of the body, the church. Who is the beginning? The firstborn from the dead. He is the head of the body, the church. The church is the body of Christ, just like every animal or human being has a head and a body. Now, look at this. If you cut somebody's head, can the body thrive? The Bible is saying that just as your body is linked to your head, so Christ is the head of the church, and the church is the body of Christ. Does the picture come out? We are linked to Jesus, and we are members of Christ's body. I don't know whether our version will capture it. Let's read Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 30, 31. 
Let's see whether we can get it. Verses 30 and 31. It's, it's okay. It has captured it. Yes. For we are members of his body. We are members of his body. Of his flesh and of his bones. Of Jesus' flesh and bones. You are a member of Jesus. Your flesh, Jesus' flesh and his bones. This is why whenever you commit adultery, the whole heaven is angry with you. Because your body is the bedroom of the Holy Spirit. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's like going to ease yourself and defecate on the pillow of the Holy Spirit. When you fornicate and commit sexual sin. But that's not all. Your body is also the body, a member of the body of Jesus. Of his flesh and his bones. So you are taking that flesh and bone of Jesus to go and fornicate or commit adultery. You, you are sinning against the Holy Spirit, sinning against Jesus Christ, sinning against the God who says you shouldn't commit adultery. And the church today is filled with church members lusting, fornicating, and misbehaving, and nobody is saying anything. Because if you talk, they won't pay their tithes again. Then they say, I've left the church. Now I'm worshipping with these people. That's the kind of church members we have today. But well, the truth is that there is a connectedness between you and Jesus. Just as there is the head and the body. You have his flesh and his bones. Now, I think that picture should explain why whenever you are not in church and you are not acting in church, God has a problem. Because you are a body of Christ. You are His, you are his eye. You are His mouth. You are His leg. You are His, his arm. Whenever the body of Christ meets, and you are not present, because of your absence, you are causing a handicap to the body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, from verse uh, 13, he explains that by the Holy Spirit we were baptized into the body of Christ. And that the body is not made of one member. If the body were just an eye, where is the ear? Yes. Let's read a bit of that. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 at this point. Yes. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks. We what? have been baptized into one body, whether Jew or Gentile. So our denominations try to divide us. But Christ is not divided. Christ is not divided. We were all baptized into one body by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Yes. 
For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. The body is not one member, but many. Please listen to me. The body is not one member, but many. I hear people say that I bless Lord's Supper for myself and I took it in my house. You are not the body. You, you alone are not the body. You, the body is not one member. It's made up of many people. If you want to use your faith, and it's a step of faith, you bless bread and water and drink by faith. Don't call it communion. Call it faith. Yes, call it, I, I'm, I'm taking a step of faith. Don't say you are having communion. The body is not one member, but many. Yes? If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. You can't be foot, eye, ear. You, you alone cannot be the body. You have one gift, I have another gift. Another person too has another gift. When we come together, the body becomes one body. I need you, but you also need me. This is why Jesus prayed that they may be one. In fact, verse 25 says, The same care should be given to everybody in the body. Um, okay. You can read that. That there should be no schism in the body. No division in the body. But that the members should have the same care for one another. The members should have what? The same care for one another. The same care for one another. So, we have seen Jesus as the vine and the branches. We have also seen Jesus as the head and we the body of Christ. Now let's look at Jesus as our husband and bridegroom and we the wife and bride. Uh, the passage in Ephesians 5, 22-33 is long. But it explains that wives submit to your husbands, the Lord, as unto Christ. And I tell all women, before you marry, if you cannot respect the man you are marrying and bow to what he is saying, don't marry the man. If you know that there is something about this man. So I can't respect him and bow when we are taking decisions. Don't go ahead and marry. Walk out of relationship. Because the picture God wants to paint in marriage is Jesus and the church. Marriage is Jesus and the church. So he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, 
submit to your husband as the body, the church, also submits to Christ. That is the picture of Christian marriage. Are you with me? So, you are married to Jesus. Now, if that language is too strong for you, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2 and 3, he says, I have espoused you as a virgin to Christ. 11, 2 and 3. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. You are betrothed to Christ. You are a virgin for Christ. You are linked to Christ just as a husband is linked to the wife. And just as a, a, a person, a lady, you are betrothed, you have paid the dowry. Because the dowry Jesus paid for you is his blood. He used his blood on the cross to pay the dowry for you. You see the point? You want to marry a girl. And you go to the parents and say, please, this lady, I want to marry her. And they say, oh, we want your blood. If you can't shed your blood, then this girl is not for you. And when you went and told your father, he said, hey! You said, oh, but I love the girl. He said, okay. Then you went and died in order to get that girl. That's what Jesus did. So, he, Jesus is jealous. The Spirit of God is jealous because he shed blood to buy you and betroth you to himself. So whenever you are worried or you are attracted by anything other than Jesus, it pains him because you are being unfaithful. We, even we who, who have married, we didn't die for our wives. Still, if your wife is chasing other men and cheating on you, you are not happy. Or the men. Will you want to share your, your beloved with any man? You didn't die for them. Jesus died for you. So whenever you are a Christian and you are looking at the world, you can't imagine how your beloved, your husband feels. Many of us, because we, do, we don't think about it, we, we don't, we cannot imagine how heaven feels. When you are doing some of the things you are doing, singing worldly songs, dancing worldly dances, you know, dressing in a worldly way, you can't imagine how he feels. Amen? Okay? Number four is Jesus as firstborn, and you and I as brothers and sisters of Jesus. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, this has been made very clear. He says that those whom God foreknew, He predestined that we should be conformed to the image of His Son, so that Jesus will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. 
because he has put his Holy Spirit inside you. You are a new creation. You were originally created in the image of God. And now, God sent his own son, your brother, your firstborn, to come and walk so that you can see that this is how children of God walk. And he, you are born again. He put his Holy Spirit inside you. What else do you need? What do you need to live a clean life? You see, if you hear that your mother is in Medina Market and she is naked and, you know, easing, spoiling herself there, how do you feel? It's not you. It's your mother. It's not you who people are seeing. But there is a link between you and your mother. And because of that link, you feel shy. You feel embarrassed. Everything you do on this earth embarrasses the Holy Spirit. Because if you, you are behaving anyhow, He feels it. Because there is a connection. There is a link. He is the firstborn. You are brothers and sisters. You can't just live anyhow. Second Corinthians five fourteen says, "One man died for all, and all died, and he rose again, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for the one who loved them and died for them." Let's read it. Second Corinthians five. We are reading 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ compels us. Yes. Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves. Those who live should live no longer for themselves. But your, your plans, your ambitions, your career, your profession, your goals, everything you are planning in life to. Now, don't plan for yourself. Because the person who lived and died for you has allowed you to live now so that you will no longer live for yourself. This is what the scripture is saying. Okay. Number five we are looking at the connection between us and Jesus. Jesus as shepherd and we as sheep. In John 10 verse 11, Jesus said that I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Yes. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. There is a connection between you and Jesus. He is the shepherd. You are the sheep. We all know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down and scream that. Jesus is the good shepherd. He laid down his life for you. You are his sheep. So, he said... John 10, 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I give them eternal life. 
there is a link between you and Jesus. He is the shepherd. Your shepherd. You are the shepherd. I don't think it's difficult to understand. But we can also go on and look at the sixth picture. That is, Jesus is the new man. The heavenly man. Let's read that passage. It's a passage which I'm always excited to read. 1 Corinthians 15. Let's read from verse 45 to 49. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What? And so it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living soul. That's Genesis 2. Yes. There is a lot. Notice it doesn't even say the second Adam. Because if he says second, it means there is a possibility for the third Adam. He says the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Yes. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. In actual world, the spiritual. In the wisdom of God, he starts his movements with natural things, then he adds spiritual. That's how God moves. Yes. The first man was of the earth. The first man was of the earth. God just took earth, clay. And put it together and breathed into his nostrils. A man became a living soul. Made of dust. Made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. The second man. The second man. The second man. The second man is the Lord from heaven. The Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. You see? Flesh can only give birth to flesh. So, when you were born, you were born in the image of the first Adam. But when you became born again, you are now a new creation in the image of the Lord of Heaven. Yes. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. Yes. You are heavenly. 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 You can understand why Colossians 3 1 says, Set your affection on things above, not on things of, on the earth. You see, train yourself to think and, and long for heavenly things, the things of the spirit, more than craving for the things of this world. Yes. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Yes. When you are walking around, say heavenly man, heavenly man, heavenly, heavenly woman, heavenly man, heavenly man, heavenly woman, heavenly woman, heavenly woman, heavenly woman. You see, many of us, our minds hold us prisoners because 
we don't read the Bible. Sometimes we read, but we don't believe the Bible. You see? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. All things have become new. The scripture, Ezekiel 36, 25-27, he says that, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. You see? I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit. And I will take the heart of stone out of you. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk according to my ways. What else should be done for you? Eh? You are a new creation. You have a new spirit. You have a new heart. You are a citizen of a new country. Then you have a new nature. Because he says, I will make them partakers of the divine nature. Then he has a new covenant with you. Hebrews 8, 10 and 11. A new covenant I will make with the house of Israel in those days. I will write my laws on their heart and put it in their minds. No one will tell his brother, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Please tell me, what do you need again before your character changes? Amen. So, let's go on. Let's look at Jesus as the chief cornerstone. In Ephesians 2, 20-22, the Bible is clear that we are all being built as a temple of God. On this earth, we are God's temple. And He is building us upon the foundation of apostles, prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus being the chief cornerstone. Now, for the time when Jesus was saying this, whenever you are building... There is a stone they call cornerstone. The cornerstone is the slab, the stone they put in the corner of the foundation. It's the first stone they put there. That stone determines the width of the building, the length of the building, and the height of the building. Why? Because it is put, it, it is like a rectangle. And it's put there so that all the other rocks are put on it. All the other stones are put on it. And so the whole building has a cornerstone. And the Bible says Jesus is the chief cornerstone. But let's read First Peter chapter 2. We are reading verses 4 and 5. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 and 5. Coming to him as to a living stone. Coming to Jesus as to a living stone. These two words should never be put together. 
is stone and life. When you say something is a stone, everybody knows it's dead. No stone grows. But Jesus is a living stone. That's why some people are called living stone. Living stone. Yes? Rejected indeed by men. Yes. But chosen by God and precious. Correct. You also are living stones. You also as living stones. You also as living stones. You also as living stones. You are a living stone. You are a living stone. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. You are a living stone. You are a living stone. Are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, when we were building the other house, we called a carpenter to come and fix the windows on one of the houses. And when he came, he took the first louver blade and he measured the window and cut the louver blade. When he fitted it, it was correct. It was back. It was on, on point. Then he took that lever blade and he measured the next lever blade with it and cut. Then he took the new one he had cut and measured the next lever blade and cut. Then he took the one new one he had cut, measured it and cut. When he finished, he saw that only the first lever blade fitted window. All the others were shorter. Why? Tell me why. He should use the first louver blade as the absolute standard. But he used the to cut another one. This is the reason why your pastor should not be your absolute standard. Because he is also looking to Jesus and cutting. And you are looking to him and cutting. So your standard will be shorter than the main one. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. You are also a living stone. You say you must imitate Christ because he is the standard. If you cut your life according to the life of the man of God in front of you, all his shortfalls will become your holiness. Is somebody listening to me? My time is up. Let's rise up. Follow JFK Men's Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Men's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensministries.org. God bless you.